we are going on in our messages and our adventure and walking along with a great, great leader and learning from his mistakes. By the way, that's my gift also, is to give you the mistakes so that you'll know, oh, that was a mistake he made, but I'll never make that. So be good followers, okay? Learn from Joshua, who spied many times, goofed, and I have too, and you have too, made mistakes and sinned and been disobedient, have been belligerent, haven't we? All of us have. And we need to learn how to follow the commands. We talked about the commands a while back. Our lesson today takes us to a very deep and troubling story of sin and disobedience against the laws of God. And we're continuing to focus on finding rest in the promises and purposes of God. That's what the Christian life is about, is coming into rest. When I grew up, I wanted a horse. And my brother and I begged Dad. We had a farm, but it was all cows. And you can't have fun with cows. <laughs> in fact, they mean a lot of work. But a horse, you can ride and just feel the air. How many of you ride horses? Whoa. Ridden. Or ridden. Ridden and have ridden. Isn't, isn't it a great experience? It really is. Particularly with a very well-trained horse. But ours wasn't well-trained. In fact, he was just two years old and hadn't been trained at all. I mean, he had just been what we call green broken, which meant he didn't ever have a saddle on his back, didn't know what it was. He did have a person sitting on his back, and that was it. And we were just young teenagers, and this horse's name was Pirate. <laughs> I don't know why Dad bought a horse in that condition for a couple of young kids that didn't have any idea what and how strong and how fast and whatever a young horse can be. Where am I in my notes here? <laughs> but in finding rest is very, very important. But many of us are still green, unbroken, not just resting and being who God made you to be, what God desired for you, but I want to do it my way. And this horse was so smart. We had a long driveway, and it went out onto a road, and you would ride him all the way out and down about a mile down the road, and he would just, he was like an old workhorse. You'd dig him in the flank, and he would just keep going, plod, plod, plod. Why? Because he didn't want to work. He just wanted to eat. The minute you turned him around, he was off and headed back home. And many a time, I didn't make the driveway. I went that way, he went down the driveway. <laughs> Resting. 
And finally, after a couple of years, we did get him trained. And it was so much fun. And it was so much fun for him that he had learned and we had learned how to rest together and not to fight each other. That's what it means to obey God's laws and find rest. And it doesn't mean you will have a perfectly smooth, delightful life. No, in fact, it might even get worse. But the work that God does in our hearts, when things don't go the way you think, but you rest in Him and follow His ways. And I've seen this in many of your lives as I scan over this group, over the years of learning to rest in who and what God has called you to be and to do, to rest in Him. That is the secret of a peaceful Christian life. And learning that is so, well, you can't put a price on it. It's so valuable. We are still trusting, believing, resting in the Word of God. Take care, brethren, that there not be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And our number one sin is not resting, is to not rest, to not lay back in the arms and in the commands of what God has for you to do. And every one of you, I'm sure, have something rotating in your brain right now of where God is calling you to rest in that particular issue that he's calling you to rest in his strength, to rest in his calling, to be the person he wants you to be. I'm speaking to myself. For we have become partakers of Christ. Hanging on the cross, Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. And he was the one that said, come to me, come to me, and you will find rest to your souls. That's our leader. We have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. And what does that end mean? It could be the end of your life. It could be the end of this day. When you come to a place of relinquishing your will and just resting in the will and purposes of God. Today in chapter 7 is not a beautiful chapter. The effect of sin. Joshua's assumption. Dealing with sin. The problem with sin. Joshua 6.27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. That's what was leading up to chapter 7. Wow! Thinking about Joshua and leading the people around Jericho. Joshua is just this great, great guy. I mean, his strategy was just perfect. And the walls just tumbled down. 
Is that the story? No, it isn't. No. All they did was kept their mouth shut. Do not speak a word. Day one, walk around the city. Day two, same thing. Do not speak. Walk around. They did that six times. And then on the seventh time, they not only did that once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times, seventh time. There was a blast on the ram's horns. This was a blast that would end all blasts. Now you know what it means when somebody says, oh, that was a blast. Well, it was. And they shouted. And it knocked down the walls of Jericho by God's might, power, and his declaration, his plan. They had rested on that seventh day. But they marched seven times. It was hot, I'm sure. But they were resting, trusting. And they won the battle. And they had some nasty stuff to do. And they brought Rahab out and her family. And Rahab became, I probably don't have the numbers right, the grandma, 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 grandma of Jesus. Rahab, the harlot. What can God do? Incredible God. Not just knock down the walls, but start a whole line, a new line of ancestors to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. Chapter 7 is the sequel, and Joshua is basking in the fame, being famous. Poor Joshua. The consequences of sin and its effect. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, Jesus' tribe, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Here they were basking in God's goodness and his incredible power. And now, just like this, it turns against them. The anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Joshua's assumption was, what was the result of his basking in the success that they had? Assuming upon the Lord. Do you know what that means? Well, it means for many of us as Christians, including myself, prayerlessness. Well, yeah, we, we, we prayed and we just said, Lord, just bless this day. But was that really a prayer? Or was it just the assumption that God would just make everything just smooth that day? We can't do that with the Lord. We need to be able to come with him with full cognizance and understanding that this is my Lord, my commander. And I need to ask him, Lord, what do you want us to do today? Should we go this way or should we go that way? 
and put our questions before him, our petition to let us know what is his purpose for today. As you go from the station to your office, Lord, what, what do you have for me today at work? Who needs my encouragement today? Who can I help? Who can I give witness to through the diligence of the work I do today? That is assuming that you need the Lord. And you aren't looking to just, okay, I'm going to get that project done, and then it'll be done and out of the way, so this month will just be a breeze. No, it doesn't work that way. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Is there anything in there in, in the scriptures that that was the next step? No. They didn't even ask. That was the next town. And yet it happened to be a little tiny town. Not like the fortified city of Jericho, which archaeologists are discovering that this was probably the most fortified city in the world. And their walls came tumbling down. Then Ai, I don't know what Ai was like, and I don't think anybody does. But it was a piece of cake, we'd say. It was the easiest thing. It's just like eating dessert and drinking a cup of coffee. They didn't ask the Lord. So the men went up, spied out Ai, and they presumed. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go up to Ai. Do not make all the people toil up there, for they are few. The Aiites are few. And so Joshua went along with that. So about 3,000 men went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. The men at Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent on the hill as they were descending down into the valley of uh, Jericho. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Have you ever had that kind of a, what we call in English a sinking feeling? You know what I'm talking about? That all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I'm not prepared for this. Something's going wrong. It's like blood just runs to your feet. It is scary when your whole body, inside of your body, reacts that way to a mental thought in your brain. I'm not prepared for this test. I only studied 15 minutes last night. And I should have studied three days. And here's the test. That happens, doesn't it? And you skipped your devotions, you skipped your time with the Lord, and you thought, I can ace this. I can, I can do it. And you realize, no, no, I flunked. Disaster. What a terrible price to pay for not seeking the Lord and leaning on him questioning the Lord. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. That was a long day. Both he and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, 
Why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. Oh, come on. Give me a break, Joshua. What? Where's your mind? What did God just do for them? Taking them across the Jordan River at high tide, so to speak, when it was flooded from the snow running off of Hermon down into the valley and flooding this whole plain. And God set that river back up several miles and they walked across on dry ground. That had just happened for them. And now he's saying, if only we had been willing to stay back there in the wilderness. You know, Joshua should be our hero, but he's a cop-out. He's a, he's a failure. We depended on him to be Jesus for us. That's what his name means. He was our savior. He, he, he was the one that was going to lead us to victory. That's what his fame was all about. Put yourself in that place, particularly when things are going wrong. And then, oh Lord, what can I say? Since Israel has turned their back before their enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us, and they will cut off our name from the earth. And this is just. If I can get my head around this, I don't know. Slapping the face of God. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua didn't care. He was so in anguish of what happened in this defeat with these puny people of AI. We're lost. This is a lost cause that I'm leading. We've been there before, right? Have you? I have. Here's the Lord's reply, dealing with sin. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. What does rise up mean? Not in the Greek, not in the Hebrew. What does rise up mean? Get up. In other words, you failed your test yesterday, son, and you're lying in bed, and school is to start in another hour, and you're lying in bed saying, if only I hadn't joined that high school and I'd been in another one that was much easier than this one. Get up! That's what God is saying to Joshua. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban, the forbidden things that belong to the Lord, and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before the enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Wow. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. This was the God that 
led them into this hostile land which actually had been promised to them hundreds of years previous. And now they were there, but it's all coming to disaster because they, 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 it keeps saying they. Who was it? What was it? Rise up and consecrate. Set apart the people. Set them apart. So rise up, bring the people together and set them apart and say, consecrate yourselves today. For thus the Lord, the God of Israel has said, there are things under the ban in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. In the morning, then you should come near by your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families. And the families which the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. So they start with Judah and they end with one man. But God is seeing that one man as they. Our personal sins affect those around us. And that's why in a body like this, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not to be looking at somebody else's heart and where they may be sinning or falling short, but we need to be looking at ours. You know, when you're accusing someone with your finger like this, how many fingers are being pointed? One. Where are the other three? Three are pointing back at you. That's where God wants us to deal. Not with anyone else. First deal with your own sin before you deal with somebody else's. That is the secret to going to a brother and saying, you know, brother, I'm concerned for you and the way that you're acting or the things that you're doing. Before you do that, remember those three fingers pointing back at you and make sure that your heart is clear before the Lord and before brothers and sisters. Before you go pointing at anyone, make sure that you are in right standing with the Lord. Otherwise, it's not going to go well with you or with them. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And there's many other scriptures similar to that, but God is wanting us to be consecrated, set apart, and letting him deal with our hearts. That's why he told Joshua, rise up, get on your feet. It shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the band shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. And here's where it starts to get nasty. So Joshua rose early in the morning 
and brought Israel near by tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of the Zerahites, and they brought the family of the Zerahites near man by man. And then Zabdi was taken. In other words, taken means chosen by the lot. He brought his household near man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. Give praise to him, and tell me now, what have you done? Do not hide it from me. You know, this man wrestled with his sin, I would assume, all night, that night, the night before. He knew what it was about. He knew what the rules were of not taking anything from Jericho, of the gold and silver, the brass, the bronze. That belonged to the Lord. He knew that because he buried it under his tent. How more obvious could you be? You've condemned your whole family with your sin. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. Well, his sins are confessed, but I wonder where his heart was. And only God knows. But it was too late. The effect of his sin was tremendous. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. They took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel and they poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Achor means the valley of trouble. And Joshua asked, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones. Okay, let's stop right there. Why in the practice of punishing someone in ancient Israel, why was stoning chosen as a punishment for sin? Why not hanging? Because sin is a corporate entity. It's not just our individual sin, but our sin affects others. And so therefore, in Israel, taking a stone, I knew, I knew Achan as a kid. I grew up with him. What am I going to do with this stone? He just confessed. 36 men died, our best 
the victory was lost. We're out here with all these tribes around us. When they hear of this, we're dead meat. We're dead. We're done. But even at that, he was my friend, my best friend. But he sinned, and his sin is the same as mine. And so you take the stone and throw it at him. And others do the same thing, realizing this is as much my sin, just by association, by the fact that we stand as a body of Christ under judgment here as MCC. Why aren't there thousands of people coming to church in Japan? Is it just because the Japanese love Shintoism and Buddhism and, and all out there? No, they all know it has no meaning. You see them standing last week, lines of them, waiting to go in and pay their money to get their little whatever it is they get. They know that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't make them any better. And they know it. And they even tell us, well, we just do it. And so here we are. God involves his people with the issue of our sin. And if you have a brother or a sister who's sinning, what does it say? Go to him or her. Individually, that's what the New Testament says. Don't take a rock with you. No, go to them and speak with them about that. If they won't hear, what are you to do? Get somebody else or two or three and come together and appeal to them and say, brother, sister, this is serious business. We're concerned. That takes courage. That is real courage to come that way to one another. And you know what? We in leadership are not immune from that approach. In fact, it's your obligation as the people of God, if you see one of us in leadership that is not walking right, you're to come to us and speak to us. And it's our obligation to listen to the Lord through you. These are heavy things to talk about. In the beginning of the year, we should be talking about, oh, delightful things and frothy things. No. We've got some hard work to do this year. You're all very quiet. But I think that's because we realize to be a Christian is to draw a line in the ground and say, I am following the Lord and I won't go across that line. That's what it means to stand up for the Lord, the righteous one, the God of Israel, the God of promise, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who all were sinners, but they followed the Lord. And that's what we need as our motivation for 2020, for this year of having true vision of what is going on.
And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire. After they had stoned them with stones, they raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, because Israel took the hard way, the right way, the way that caused all of them to a man, even to a child, to follow the Lord explicitly in their lives. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. They raised over him a, a great heap of stones, and the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Oh, praise the Lord for his mercy. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same pattern of disobedience. That's our call for this year. We're asking all of you, both in the Japanese as well as the English department, that this year that we choose for our theme verse, Joshua 1, 9, that we will be strong in the Lord, be very courageous to do what he says for us to do, to make those hard decisions, to bring ourselves not to a place of, boy, we're great now. No, 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 to humility. Just in closing, this year, I would like us to understand the Lord is not so concerned about what we do as much as he is of who we are. And that means that he wants us to be the people of God, not to do the good things, but to be the good things, to allow him to see that there's more power and his will and purposes are done, not by us doing good things, but being good in him. Being is better than doing. And Christianity is inundated with a philosophy that it's doing that counts. No. Being is more important than doing. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you're being. And those works will what? Follow. Scripture says. Doing will follow being. Let's be that kind of people. For his glory, for his honor, because that's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's about him as our leader. Father, thank you for this time. And if I've said any words that have injured or misspoken, Lord, 
we stand before you, the righteous one, the commander in chief of this army of believers, not only in this gathering of people, but throughout this nation. I pray for the church of Japan that we would understand these principles and walk in the fear of the Lord to do his will and his purposes. Cleanse us. Bring us to this place of brokenness and of true confession and not hiding things where no one can find them. Oh, Father, cleanse us and make us into your people for this nation, for the sake of millions of people that need to know the righteous one, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.